Organizations Candidates must be familiar with the different organizational structures that can be adopted, as well as related concepts such as departmentalization, divisionalization, centralization and decentralization, span of control, scalar chain, and tall and flat organizations. In addition to these topics, candidates should also study some of the more contemporary organizational models. These include boundaryless organizations and shared services organizations, both of which are examinable for the first time in 2014. This podcast provides an overview of some of these concepts. Purposes of organizations An organization is a group of people with a common purpose. The purpose is defined by the entity for which they work. In smaller businesses, such as partnerships and small companies, it is common for those who work for the organization to have created it or to have had some part in creating it. By contrast, larger organizations have to employ or involve more people, the majority of which will have little or no connection with the founders or owners. The Development of Organizations Organizations have been around for thousands of years. The mighty armies of Greece and Rome were organizations, and the Phoenician merchants who plied their trade across the oceans could not have run successful businesses without some organizational structure. Whenever two or more people come together to pursue the same outcomes, we have an organization. Organizations exist because synergy can be achieved by combining human resources. Together, those in an organization can produce more than the sum total output of individuals working alone. The Industrial Revolution of the 18th and 19th centuries brought a need for more systematic and formal consideration of how organizations should be configured. Adam Smith used the example of the division of labor in a pin factory to describe the benefits of specialization. Here is an excerpt from The Wealth of Nations, 1776. One man draws out the wire, another straights it, a third cuts it, a fourth points it, a fifth grinds it at the top for receiving the head. To make the head requires two or three distinct operations. To put it on is a particular business, to whiten the pins is another. And the important business of making a pin is, in this manner, divided into about 18 distinct operations which in some manufactories are all performed by distinct hands, though in others the same man will sometime perform two or three of them. Generally, businesses start as small entities, and many remain so. Every country in the world has thousands of sole traders, many of which work alone and are able to make their living without involving others. However, if the activities of the business grow, it eventually becomes necessary to utilize the labor of others. In family concerns, the trader may involve a spouse, children or siblings, and this may not even require the creation of any contractual relationships. Yet it does require some degree of organization. Who carries out which tasks? Does everybody do the same work, or does each individual specialize? To what extent should everyone be able to carry out the tasks usually reserved for others? How do we ensure that all work is done, but there is no wasteful duplication of effort? These questions can be addressed in a relatively informal manner in a small business, where all control is in the hands of a single person. 
However, the very same questions have to be asked in the largest and most complex businesses, and for these the answers are less straightforward. The entrepreneurial structure. The entrepreneurial structure is adopted by smaller businesses. It is simple, informal, and very fluid, in that it may change on a day-to-day -day basis. This structure is adopted by sole traders who employ others, some small partnerships, and some small companies. Those who own and control the business take decisions on the work to be done, how it will be done, and by whom. It is quite common for employees to be expected to multitask and not to expect rigid job descriptions. Specialization may be possible, such as a family member dealing with bookkeeping, but that individual may also be required to carry out additional tasks, perhaps if there is no bookkeeping work to be done at certain times. The entrepreneurial structure is perfect for many small businesses, but is too informal and can even be chaotic once the level of business activity reaches a certain level. Eventually, the entrepreneur has to consider formalizing the roles that employees play and creating jobs with defined duties and responsibilities. The functional structure. The functional structure is the most common organizational model. It is usually depicted as a triangle with the chief executive officer at the top and reporting lines of others flowing vertically. The functional structure is formally depicted as an organization chart. The duties of individuals are allocated according to the functions they perform. For example, a small company may have a production manager, finance manager, sales manager and IT manager reporting to the chief executive officer. Each of the functional managers is responsible for a department. Many larger companies have general managers or assistant general managers responsible for groups of functions. For example, the general manager, marketing, may be responsible for advertising, public relations, merchandising and direct sales, and there may be a departmental manager responsible for each of these activities. For each function, employees are grouped together to perform similar or complementary tasks. Just as the organization as a whole can be represented on an organization chart, so too can each department. The functional structure has several advantages. It facilitates specialization by bringing together those with the knowledge and skills necessary to carry out each function and therefore should create economies of scale. It enables the organization to operate through clear lines of authority and well-defined responsibilities with all employees knowing to whom they report and for whom they are responsible. It prevents duplication of effort thereby reducing inefficiencies. It accommodates specialists. The disadvantages of the functional structure are It can be inflexible, particularly in a period of rapid change and in economic systems where it is difficult or costly to recruit or dismiss employees. It encourages demarcation lines to be created, which may make employees reluctant to carry out tasks that they consider not to be their responsibility. As organizations become larger, there may be coordination problems as the number of functions increases. As information tends to flow through formal organizational lines, 
larger organizations may encounter communication problems. Some argue that the functional model is too inward-looking, focusing on processes instead of considering deliverables defined by customer needs. The functional structure is common to many organizations, but different concepts can be deployed within it. For example, the organization can be tall or flat. Tall organizations have many levels, a long scalar chain, while flat organizations have fewer levels. The organization may have many employees reporting to each manager, few employees reporting to each manager, or a combination of these. This so-called span of control will depend on many factors, including the nature of the work, variety of tasks performed, capabilities of employees, and risk factors. Some organizations concentrate authority at the top of the management hierarchy, with key decisions taken by senior executives, while others empower subordinates, with greater discretion permitted further down the management chain. This relates to the concept of centralization and decentralization. Functional organization by product The functional model can be adapted for organizations that offer a range of products. Just as managers responsible for different products can report to the product manager, it is also possible for each product manager to have his or her own functional structure. In this way, several functions are duplicated across the organization, as the manager responsible for each product may have their own production, sales, marketing, finance and administration departments. This organization structure is sometimes appropriate if the design, production and marketing of each product is unique or significantly different to those for other products. This structure can also be suitable if products are distinctive brands. For example, some manufacturers of detergents offer both quality, or premium, products and discount products. Although they compete with one another to some extent, the products are usually targeted at different market segments. Functional organization by geographical region Many organizations operate across different regions or across international frontiers, so they may consider it to be appropriate to maintain separate functional structures in each location. This approach is not appropriate to all geographically dispersed businesses, but is suitable for organizations whose geographical locations have distinctive but contrasting characteristics. For example, companies with a presence in the UK, Ireland and Germany would be able to identify major differences in the demographic profiles, personal and family values and tastes in the three locations, while companies operating in Belgium, Luxembourg and the Netherlands would identify differences that are less crucial in commercial terms. Functional organization by geographical location is especially important for large companies that operate across several continents. Matrix structure The matrix structure evolved in companies that sought to overcome some of the rigidities of the functional organization structure. It was first deployed in the aerospace industry in the USA in the 1950s. The most common application of the matrix structure is the creation of an extra layer of responsibilities across the traditional functional structure. As well as occupying a position in the organizational pyramid, which defines line relationships, 
employees have responsibilities to project managers. In this way, the employee may have two or even more managers. For example, an individual working in the finance department may report to the head of finance, but may also have some duties in relation to IT or IS or marketing projects. The managers responsible for these projects will be able to call upon staff across organizational boundaries on a formal basis. Matrix organizations can be taken further in environments that are less dependent on rigid chains of command and lines of communication. For example, in some professional firms and consultancies, a position in a functional organization chart is only important for the purpose of establishing accountabilities under employment law. As one individual working in such an organization put it, when asked, who is your manager, the reply was, it depends what day it is. There are several advantages of adopting a matrix structure. By involving individuals formally in teams allocated to specific projects, the organization can capitalize on the knowledge, skills and experience they can offer. Communication lines are shortened in that project managers can deal with staff assigned to them. Bureaucracy should be reduced. Employees' jobs are enriched and this may improve motivation. More ambitious individuals can exploit opportunities made available to them and more readily pursue advancement. Cooperation between departments can be increased and the disadvantages of work being demarcated by silos can be reduced. The matrix approach may make employees more responsive to change and more willing to welcome change. The disadvantages of the matrix structure include the following. The matrix structure sacrifices the notion that every employee should be responsible to one manager, and this can result in conflicting demands on the employee in terms of what work should be done, how time should be apportioned, and how work should be carried out. The different managers to whom the individual reports may have very different styles, which may create conflict or even confusion as to the best or correct approach. The matrix structure creates additional time management pressures, which may have an effect on costs. If the matrix is not designed or implemented systematically, it can create organizational inefficiencies, such as slower decision-taking. Boundaryless organizations Traditionally, organizations bring people together in one or more physical locations in order to process inputs and create outputs all within a formally defined structure. Advances in information communications technology have resulted in new approaches that have redefined where, when and how people work. The most obvious evidence of this is the reduction in reliance on the 9am to 5pm working day, the emergence of flexible working arrangements and increases in work sharing and home working. Organizations have also adopted new ways of configuring relationships. Virtual organization. A virtual organization is one which operates primarily through electronic communications, taking advantage of the efficiencies made possible by information technology. It removes many of the features of the working environment that were once taken for granted, such as bringing managers and staff together at a defined location. People work together remotely, with little or no dependence on physical premises. 
Instead, communications take place through media such as emails, e-conferencing, extranet, and intranet. This virtual aspect of the operation sometimes extends to links with suppliers, upstream, and customers, downstream. By extending the virtual concept to customer relationships, the dependence on retail premises and customer-facing staff is eliminated. Amazon is often cited as the first major virtual business in this respect. The virtual organization model can be adopted wholly or in just certain parts of the business. For example, one major insurance company maintains a large head office which serves as a base for functional departments, but many of the staff working for certain departments work from home and rarely, if ever, need to visit the office. Some service organizations can adopt the virtual approach in its entirety, with a token physical presence at a registered office to satisfy statutory registration requirements. The advantages of virtual organizations are Costs can be greatly reduced, as there is less dependence on premises. This can result in significant reductions in overheads, such as electricity, water, mortgage or rent, and service staff. The adoption of e-business solutions can create efficiencies, such as automated reordering and seamless transaction processing. In fact, while the virtual organization is a relatively new business concept, many of the technologies deployed have been available for many years. For example, Electronic Data Interchange, EDI, was first developed in the 1960s. Jobs with the organization may be more attractive, as the need for daily commuting is removed. This can be particularly appealing to those with family commitments at certain times of day and those who would be deterred from working due to the cost of transport and car parking. The virtual organization has a modern image which may appeal to several stakeholder groups, including customers, suppliers and distributors. Increasingly, this approach to business aligns with the expectations of such groups. The disadvantages of virtual organizations are There is heavy reliance on information technology, so if things go wrong, this can have a catastrophic effect. Problems can arise from lack of connectivity, hardware and software failures, malware and security breaches. Those who lack basic IT skills or are unprepared to use information technology equipment have no prospect of doing business with virtual organizations or working for them. In some cultures, there remains a preference for the personal touch, so virtual organizations may find it difficult to achieve a foothold. Some of those who work for virtual organizations feel isolated as direct human interaction on a face-to-face -face basis is minimal. Feeling personally connected to a work group can be motivational, and this effect is lost when members of teams do not meet on a regular basis. Hollow organization. A hollow organization is one which relies heavily on outsourcing, enabling it to maintain low staffing levels while capitalizing on the competences of partner organizations. The most common application of this model is where an organization identifies those competences that are core and must be retained. These are then kept in-house while all non-core operations are contracted out. The hollow organization 
must forge strong strategic links with trusted partners. An example of this organizational form is Nike, a sports goods manufacturer, which subcontracts production activities whilst maintaining total control over design and quality specifications. Modular organization. A modular organization extends the hollow concept by breaking down production processes into modules. Production is outsourced, but each external organization is responsible for only one element of the process. For example, in producing the Dreamliner aircraft, Boeing enters into contracts with many suppliers, each of which is responsible for one component or assembly. The outputs of these suppliers can then be integrated. The modular organization is a more efficient contemporary version of the model previously used by many car manufacturers, who often owned the subsidiaries which produced components that make up the final product. The modular organization removes the need for complex ownership structures through holding companies and subsidiaries and also creates forced efficiencies, as those responsible for each module have to compete with organizations in the same marketplace for their services. Shared Services Organizations The Shared Services Organization is a medium through which defined services can be provided across the organization by a dedicated unit. This differs from outsourcing in that the shared services provider is actually a part of the organization. Shared services organizations reduce the level of duplication of tasks. For example, instead of each part of the organization employing human resources or information technology specialists, these services can be provided centrally through a single team. In this way, they can reduce costs significantly and also standardize the policies and processes across the business. Management and operational support can be delivered through facilities such as hotlines or help desks. An example of a very effective use of the shared services concept is the provision of professional training courses and support across large consultancy firms operating on a regional or multinational basis. While the use of shared services organizations is increasing, the model is not suitable for all. For example, if the business units are very diverse, a centralized model may not be appropriate. It has also been suggested that potential cost reductions should not be overestimated, as many organizations will still rely on local provision to meet the idiosyncratic needs of each business function or locality.